All right, good stuff. Well, uh, great to be with you today. And uh, uh, Will, if you could click the first slide back there, I'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll get we'll get going. Uh, perfect. We'll get going for today. I uh, just wanted to make mention of this. Uh, I think how many of you read the emails we send out? Okay, it's pretty good. I'll take it. Uh, could be better, but could be worse too. Uh, anyways, uh, we are doing a 21-day fast uh, prayer and fast time this uh, New Year. And I wanted to mention, I don't like talking about the new year before Christmas is done, but here we are, okay? So uh, anyways, I we're doing a 21-day uh, fast this year, and, and prayer and fast time. And so every day what we're going to do is there's going to be a prayer time, excuse me, a prayer time starting at 8 p.m. for 30 minutes every day. It's going to be online, okay? So you can just tune in from wherever you are. And uh, that's the first component. The next component is we're going to do an actual fast, like fasting food fast. Not just like, uh, I don't want to say the other fastings aren't real, but like we're going to like legit fast. So what we're going to do is, uh, I wanted to give a few details today just to prep people. We're going to do a Daniel fast, and it's an opportunity for 21 days for us to just kind of align our spirits and our body, physical body, together. And so if you don't know what a Daniel fast is, it's simply this. It's a fast that Daniel did in the book of Daniel. All right, so we'll give the references for that. And here's the simple uh, parts to it. In this fast, you can still eat, but there's no meat, no dairy, no salt, no sugar, no white flour. Um, You just basically eat fruit and vegetable. All right? And if you want to get real serious... You don't eat things that have salt or sugar in it. So I've seen some people on a Daniel fast, and they're pounding down the apple juice. Like, just living off apple juice. No, no, that doesn't count. That's got sugar in it. All right? Unless you, like, grab the apple off the tree and squeeze the juice out of it, you could have that maybe. But uh, So if you want to get serious, you can go to that level. But we just want to, uh, again, align our physical bodies with our spiritual bodies. All right? And it's a great – I've done it a few times – and it's a, it's a, I'm really looking forward to it. It is a challenge, not going to lie. If you're addicted to sugar and you want to do this, it's going to be a challenge, but, uh, or salt like me. But uh, anyways, uh, I hope you join in with us for it. It's 21 days. It starts Jan- Monday, January 8th, and we finish on Sunday, January 28th. And on the uh, last day, Sunday, Sunday January 28th, we're going to be joined uh, for a worship night that evening. Uh, whatever time that evening, I forget, uh, by the Lighthouse in town here in Espanol. So we're going to have a joint worship service together. So I, we're, we're kind of going to end it off with a bang. And actually, their church is kind of joining with us in some of this stuff, so it's going to be fun. And so what's, why are we doing this, Pastor? Why are you making us suffer like this? Uh, we're doing this because I just feel just led by the Lord to, uh, it's good to fast and pray in the new year in general. That's a good thing. We're doing it for 21 days because we've never done 21 days before. Uh, we've done a week, we've done two weeks, a few times, but we need, to, I just feel led by the Lord, we need to do 21 days, and uh, the fast part, I just really feel like we need to pursue God in the new year, and uh, some of us, our faith has just kind of been in, in a stall pattern, kind of locked up, uh, some of us just need some encouragement to take some new steps forward, and some of us, quite frankly, we just need to dive deeper with the Lord, and uh, this is an opportunity to do so, and it's good to have accountability to go to do things together you come on the prayer call every night and we pray for each other and pray for different things going on we're going to provide some uh, materials some paperwork for everyone just to get some information and details of what we're expecting 
And uh, now here's the deal. If you have any health, underlying health things that your doctor tells you to eat a certain way, I'm not messing with that. All right? So if your doctor tells you to eat a certain way, don't be like, well, the pastor said. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't count. Because if they call me and I, I'll be like, no, I told them not to, kill, not to go at risk of ending their life prematurely. Okay. So anyway, so just keep that in mind. But if you're like me and you don't really have any health uh, concerns, it's like you can definitely do this. All right? So there you go. So that's coming up in the new year. I wanted to just take a moment and uh, share that uh, with you today. Is that okay? All right? I did it anyway, so I shouldn't ask for your permission. All right, let's uh, read our Advent Scripture today. Our theme today is peace. And uh, it's funny watching that guy run around after uh, those animals. Uh, it wasn't very peaceful, but uh, our theme today is peace. And our Scripture today, Advent Scripture today, comes from John, uh, the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27. It says this, peace. I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm going to read this uh, liturgy, uh, the words will be on the screen, if you want to read along you can, but I'm just going to read this uh, this morning to us, it says this, O God who did first speak light into deep darkness, illumine and warm again our numbed hearts, for we are increasingly wrung by this tiring tide of night even as our hopes are wearied by the long winter that attends it have we not endured such seasons of the spirit when we do not feel the warmth of your nearness when the light of your mercy is pale and seems so far away when we cry to you and discern no sudden answer in such times we might have been tempted even to abandon the main narrative of our lives the story of your life-giving spirit and your bright kingdom ever on the move at work amongst us, in us, and through us, training our hearts to yearn toward the impending renewal of all things. Still let us hold fast in our hearts this secret. We know that our conflict ends at last in a final victory of light and delight in the city of God where the Lamb is the, is the, where the, lamb is the light eternal. Let us step into this fray, well-armed with uh, myrrh and uh, mirth and joy buoyed by the fellowship of friends or at least with a fond remembrance of such things and with the good hope of their inevitable return this opportunity just for us to take a moment to be silent so again john chapter 14 says peace i leave with you my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Isn't that interesting that we measure uh, how God gives to us really by what the world, by the, uh, the worldly standards, what is given around us. But the scripture tells us, and these are the words of Christ, uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, he says. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I recently came across this quote by one of my favorite authors, speakers, and pastors. His name is Nicky Gumbel. And he, sa uh, he said this, Who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you are waiting for. Let me say it again. Who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you are waiting for. We learned in the first week of Advent at the beginning of December that Advent simply means arrival. Advent simply means arrival. Each week we have uh, lit up a candle here. We are on to our fourth one today. We've lit up a candle in this wreath to remember that Jesus is on his way. He is coming. 
Peace is given to us by the Lord Jesus. The words of Scripture in our main, main passage today from John 14 are simple. Peace is left for us. He's leaving. Jesus is leaving peace, and it's given by the Lord Jesus to us. What is that word peace? What, is it, what does it really mean for us uh, when you look at the Scriptures? Well, the basic feature of the Greek concept of a peace is that the word does not primarily denote a relationship between several people or an attitude, but a state. I, an example would be a time of peace or a state of peace. That's what it means. The theological dic- that's from the theological dictionary of the New Testament. So when we, we say peace, when we see peace in the scripture and we, uh, it's, it's uh, mentioned peace in the scripture, it's actually a time of peace or a state of peace. It's not just saying peace to you. No, it's a time of peace or a state of peace that it's talking about in these scripture passages. Excuse me. This is peace everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we know that there can be and is peace. It is something that we actually carry and can even bring a shift in the atmosphere around us when we see peace throughout our lives. Christmas celebrations are wonderful, but sometimes there may not be a peace attached with those celebrations. Well, what can we do? Well, first, I want us to remember this Christmas that as we remember Christ's arrival today, we remember his peace as well. So here's our first thought today. If you could throw it up there, Will. The first thought is take heart. Uh, In John chapter 16, verse 32, we read this. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave Uh, And will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. So Jesus is foretelling things to happen in his own life in this part of the scripture. Verse 3 to 33, it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, or we would call it trouble. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's no surprise that we don't always have peace. We live in a fallen world. It's messed up. The world we exist in is not right. This world is broken. If we think that this is how things are supposed to be, give your head a shake. I'd say stick your head in a snowbank, but you can't. Give your head a shake. That's why we need Jesus, our Savior, because this world is broken. He makes all things good in his time. He instructs us with his words. Uh, Jesus says to us that you're going to struggle. But in the midst of struggle, Jesus promises that he will give us peace. In fact, in this life, there will always be some form of struggle. So we must rest in the peace that Jesus gives to us. Has anyone ever been in a struggle before? Right? I saw some people at the mall this week. It was a struggle at the mall, right? No, it's much deeper than that. <laughs> in fact, because uh, we think of peace and that Jesus give to, uh, gives to us, in fact, because he's given us the gift of peace, we can see that sometimes we actually refuse the peace that Jesus gives to us. We actually allow the things of this world, which is really just sin, we allow it to rob us of peace. We actually let peace just disappear from our lives. 
that Jesus gives to us. You know, Jesus has left us gifts that cannot be bought. You cannot buy the gifts that Jesus gives to you and me. You can see in your own life that you can't buy peace. You can't purchase it, right? It doesn't matter how much cash you got. You can't purchase peace. Only Jesus can give us the peace that we are searching for. So our first thought today was take heart. Our next thought is this, the God of peace. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, we read, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There are three great aspects of peace as we find in the Bible, in Scripture. The first one is this. We have peace, which is from God. Peace from God. The second one, peace with God. And the third one, the peace of God. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. What is God's peace, he asked. The unruffled serenity of the infinitely happy God. The eternal composure of the absolutely well-contented God. Let me say it again. What is God's peace? The unruffled serenity of the infinitely happy God. Imagine that. The God is infinitely happy. Woo! Right? The eternal composure of the absolutely well-contented God. It's actually hard to be content, right? We all struggle with it. You know, at Christmas, you ever been around the family where it's like, everyone's there, but one person is missing, and the, someone will say, well, it's not just not the same without, without little Bobby here. It's like, who cares about Bobby? He's having fun somewhere else, right? It's hard to be contented. Let's look at these things. Peace from God. Our first one here. Our peace comes to us as a gift from God. You and I need to ask God to give his peace, Jesus to give his peace towards us. Especially if you're thinking, man, I got no peace in my life. We just got to ask him. Our peace comes to us as a gift from God. We can't buy it. We can't attain it. It comes from the Lord Jesus. It settles into our hearts. And then the next one here, peace of God. A relationship that we enter into with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have peace with God because of our relationship with Jesus. If you don't have peace, I would ask, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? And our third one is this, the peace of God. This is beyond all mind. That is, it's beyond our power of thinking. We actually can't really grab a hold of it. We can't grab hold of the peace of God because it's beyond our thoughts. It's beyond our power of thinking. A song uh, that I listened to quite a bit this year, it was released this last year, is titled Peace of God. It's written by singer-songwriter Andrew Osenga. And the lyrics of the song, the main lyrics of the song say this, Peace of God reign in me, beyond my understanding, beyond my unbelief. I love it. Peace of God reign in me, beyond my understanding. I don't understand everything. Do you guys know that I have questions about this world? You know, some of my questions are simple. Why haven't the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup, Lord? Right? That's a simple question. Don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. You know, other questions are much deeper, and I, don't, I still don't have answers to. Peace of God reign in me, beyond my understanding, beyond my unbelief. Do you know that sometimes we struggle with peace and we actually begin to kind of unbelieve. We don't really believe that Jesus is full of peace. He's giving peace to us. But even in that 
unbelief area, Jesus still offers you and I peace. As you can see from the words of this song, peace operates beyond our capacity. That's the peace of God. The biggest understatement I could make right now is simply this. We need the peace of the Lord Jesus. That's, that's a huge understatement. Here's our next thought today. Let Christ rule. Colossians 3 verse 15 says this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. One commentator said this, the apostle says, let it rule. The Greek word means arbitrate. Whenever there is a doubtful issue to be cited, and by one course your peace may be disturbed, whilst by another it may be maintained, choose the things that make for peace, whether for yourselves or others. Let God's peace act as umpire. Arlene and I had our 16th wedding anniversary this week. I've learned something in 16 years, plus the other ones that we were together, dating, so full of excitement. Sometimes I just need to listen to what she says is going to be the peaceful solution to my problems. It's just better. It's just better. <laughs> I thought of that when I read this. Whenever there is a doubtful issue to be decided, and by one course your peace may be disturbed, whilst by another may be maintained. Choose the things that make for peace. Amen. Does the peace of Christ rule in our hearts today? Does it rule in our hearts today? The peace we see here in Colossians that we celebrate and recognize today isn't just focused on my peace, the peace that I have but really the peace of the whole community. When we think of peace, it's for all of us, the peace that all of us contain, not just my peace. Peace should characterize God's people. I say things like this from time to time about different subjects, but whenever I see unrest in God's people, ah, you can't convince me that God's a part of that. It's not peaceful, right? It's not just Peace should characterize God's people. When we consider what peace is, we also know that when we have the peace of Christ, we better, just, we better just disearn God's will. So when we're filled with the peace that Jesus gives us, we actually disearn, we discern his will for our lives and his will for our community better. So let Christ rule is actually us in community being in a posture, listening to Jesus. Today we listen and wait for his arrival the Prince of Peace, to come. As Jesus arrives, he brings peace to our collective fellowship, to our community of believers assembled together. Let Christ rule. Here's our next thought today, preparing the way. Uh, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 68. It's a bit of a longer passage, but this passage comes from the prayer Zechariah gave at the birth of his son John, who would prepare the way for Jesus. So in Luke 1 verse 68 we read this, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant." 
The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant is that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet, uh, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Preparing the way. Jesus guides our feet into the way of peace. Uh, Louis Giglio wrote this, When God gets ready to do something great, he prepares the way. One thing leads to another, and when the time is right, God arrives to do what only he can do. Woo, come on. He goes on to say this, You may not get to see the harvest every time, but you can plant the seed. You may not be there when your friend puts her faith in Jesus, but you can play your part by telling her about his love. With God, nothing is wasted. Some plant, others water, and still others harvest. Sometimes we get to do all three. But every time, it is God who is doing the work to bring the increase. I love that part. Some plant, others water, and still others harvest. But it is God who is doing the work to bring the increase. Preparing the way. Some of us are called by the Lord Jesus to plant. Some of us are called by the Lord Jesus to water. Some of us are called by the Lord Jesus to harvest. But every one of us is called by the Lord Jesus. We're called to prepare the way. Everything that God does to work through his people will bring increase. I love that. When I think of John preparing the way for Jesus, I'm reminded about how we need each other. We need each other. The Lord Jesus, he needs you. He does. He doesn't need you to exist. He doesn't need any of us to exist. But he needs us. We're a part of what he's doing in the world. Quite frankly, we here, our church, we need you. We do. We need you. We need everyone together so that we can celebrate. Maybe uh, you're visiting today or you're watching from home today and your spiritual family needs you. Remember that one selfish lie that many believers today, many people believe, is that God doesn't need them. I've heard it over and over again. Well, God doesn't really need me. What? What, what planet are you from? It's people saying, God doesn't need me. He doesn't want to work through them. God doesn't want to work through me. That's a little exaggerated, but the truth is we hear it. We get like that when we take our gaze off the majesty, holiness, and wonder of the King of Kings. When we, take our, when we, when we stop looking at and to Jesus, we start to believe these false beliefs. We set our sights, instead of looking to the King of Kings, we set our sights on the things from this world. I was in a store this past week. And they had a beautiful ATV. It was beautiful. I, I, it, caught, it caught my eye and I walked over. I started to look at it and I thought, wow. That is a beautiful ATV. And I started looking at it and I thought, it's perfect. It fits me perfectly. 
Then I envisioned myself going down trails, the wind blowing in my hair. And then I, I thought, well, Arlene, my wife, could be there holding on, and we could go down the trail together. And we were bombing down the trail, and all of a sudden I looked and I saw the price. And I realized that it was just a dream from this world, nothing else. When we set our sights on the King of Kings, His kingdom increases and ours decreases. When I set my sight on the things of this world, God's kingdom doesn't increase. It doesn't. We're always preparing the way for the King of Kings, the God of increase to come. God, this is our last one, I think, <laughs> this morning. God designs days. Uh, Jason, and, and, or whoever's able, <laughs> and worship team, could you come? In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I want to leave us with this thought today. God designs days. Think about that concept. God designs days. It's not you or me. It's not our boss at work. It's not our parents. It's not our loved ones. It's not even the government. God designs days. Louis Giglio wrote this. As today unfolds around you, remember that man may make laws, but God designs days. No person or power can trump God's plans for your life. He is ordering all things to fulfill his purpose and his promise for you. Let me say that part again. He is ordering all things to fulfill his purpose and his promise for you. Have you ever felt like you are not in control of, your, of how your life is unfolding? I'm not talking about when you were a teen and your parents wouldn't give you the keys to the car for the night. I'm talking like everything and everyone seems to be conspiring against you. Have you been in that place? One of my favorite things about God is watching how he works things out in our lives. So often we get in the way and try to manipulate what happens. It's always awesome to see how God works things out. I don't know if you'll uh, be able to come back tonight. I hope you do. But I want to leave you with this thought this morning. Just like all specific details come together for the birth of a Savior, the Lord Jesus. He was born into the prophesied family. Did you know that? He was born into the exact family he was supposed to be born into. He was born at the prophesied place. Hundreds, thousands of years before it was prophesied where he'd be born and who he'd be born to. I'm going to talk about those prophecies tonight. And he was born in the most unimaginable way. God designs days. 
Our Father in heaven has ordered all things to fulfill his purpose and his promise to you. I have this takeaway. I don't know if I put it on the screen. or Oh, I did. It's up. It should be up on the screen. Uh, it says this. this is, I just want you to remember these phrases. My Father in heaven has ordered all things to fulfill his purpose and promise in my life. Today I give thanks for the gift of Jesus, the King of kings, the Prince of peace. The Lord Jesus has made a way for me. Let's pray and then the worship team is going to lead us once again in another song. So, Father, I just thank you today that we can remember you, Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So, Jesus, as we uh, go from this place and we start, uh, probably every one of us are going to kind of enter our way through our Christmas traditions with our friends and family, whatever that may be. For some of us, it may just be a nap, but that's what we're going to do. We're just going to go towards our traditions. Jesus, today I pray that people would recall the peace that you've given to each and every one of us. That none of us would forget and not know the peace that you have for us. So Jesus, today as we recognize this fourth uh, Sunday of Advent, we recognize peace today, we remember peace. I pray that it would fill our hearts and our homes and our gatherings in the coming days, Lord. Father, would you be with us? Would your hand be upon us, we pray. And Prince of Peace, would you come into this place today? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand, and uh, the worship team is going to lead us today.